0: There you have another episode of Straight Out of Combat Radio, Audio Medicine by Green Zone Hero. Today's guest is actually the second British combat infantry soldier that we've had on the show. His story is one that is worth listening to. His transition and how he dealt with it definitely has uh, strikes a chord. He also um, describes combat in Belfast which is something that we don't hear about too often. And what he's doing now and the transition that he actually made to make it to the United States is definitely a testimony and a proof positive of uh, what perseverance and believing in yourself and in your dreams can actually accomplish. Really honored and humbled to have a good friend today on the show. And I appreciate all of you out there listening to another episode of Straight of Combat Radio. Thank you. Your steely-eyed killer shadow in the night You were born to fight You gotta light them up My name is John Crotech, and I want to welcome you to Straight Out of Combat Radio, audio medicine by Green Zone Hero. We're here to honor the wisdom of America's most valuable asset for combat veterans. We're authentic, we're empowering, we're American. Our guest for this episode of Straight Outta Combat Radio is Mr. Simon Kirby. Simon was born in East London, England. He was the son of restaurateurs. He attended eight different schools in ten years as a young person. At age 15, he left school, and at age 16, he joined the British Light Infantry at 16 years old. At 17, he joined the battalion, actually the 2nd Battalion, Royal Green Jackets, and at 18, shortly thereafter, he went on his first combat tour to Northern Ireland, and that was in 1979. Well, in Northern Ireland on his first tour, he was tasked with intercepting IRA patrols crossing, crossing the border, mainly long-range reconnaissance patrols and chopper-borne patrolling in the countryside. After that first tour, he was stationed in Germany for an additional two years he attended Air Assault School at Fort Campbell, Kentucky, also in 1979, with the 101st Airborne Screaming Eagles Division. At age 19, Simon attended the NCO cadre and became the top student and the youngest to be awarded in regimental history, the, the Regimental Batten. We've got to hear more about that. At 20, Simon went on his second tour. This tour was a little bit different. We're going to get into that. But he, but he went, it was, this is 1981 now, he went to West Belfast, and at the height of the troubles that were going on there, he's going to talk a little bit about that, and he lost three friends in an ambush. At age 21, he left the Army after serving Great Britain for five years. At age 22, he was married and had two children. He worked in his family restaurants and in their bar. And at age 30, he relocated his family United States America right here in Florida he opened a breakfast restaurant in a very well-known place here next to the beach 40 he sold that and opened Simon's coffee house, which he still runs today And I gotta tell you it's magnificent food, but you know, I never knew this about Simon I've known Simon for 25 years and a lot of these things. He never told me Um, we just recently started talking here. I was visiting his restaurant we started talking about it and uh i wanted him on the show and i want to let everybody know who's listening that simon is the second british army combat veteran to be here with us on straight Outta combat radio so simon thank you for being here thank you john a pleasure yeah i didn't you know you've, you lived a whole lifetime man before you got married you yeah. know leaving yeah. school at such a young age and you know, tell us what it was like uh, in the Kirby household growing up in England. Uh, well, I was in, the, um, in London, in the part of London I lived. It was a very poor
1: part, uh, brought up very poor. So, you know, to me, just, there wasn't many jobs. There wasn't much to do. I really wanted to just get out. I knew I could do better. So I decided to, uh, and also I was brought up as a young man. Uh, my, my, uh, my grandfather served with the 8th Army, Monty. Uh, My great uncles all served in the military, and my father left at home at 15 and he joined the Merchant Marine. So I was, my household was full of stories, combat stories and and stories of travel. So I just wanted to make myself become a self-made man. So I felt at 15, I woke my father up one morning and I said, Dad, I'm going to join the army, but I won't, they won't, they won't take my signature. I'm too young you're going to have to come with me to the careers office. Which he did and uh, I went into the Army Careers Office and I said I want to join uh, a combat infantry battalion and, uh, and uh, the local one was the Green Jackets at that time so I said I want to be in the Green Jackets. And uh, they said to my dad, they said you know you really don't want to him to do this, he's going to see combat probably every other year. There's no way he's not with that unit, it, it will. it's predominant, that's what it does. But uh, said, my dad said that's what he wants, that's what he's going to do so he signed the line. And then on my 16th birthday, I was uh, inducted in. Where did you go? Where was that? Uh, what city was that? I, uh, I went to Winchester, which is was a it was a junior leaders uh, battalion. You were trained for until you were old enough to join the seniors. But you were uh, it was it was tough. I mean, I was physically beaten, and uh, they were trying to make men out of us. They knew where we were going, and they didn't want children. They wanted men. So it was, it was pretty tough. It was tough for about 10 months. I think mean, 84 of us joined, and about 16 of us finished it. And uh, I was, and actually, I've got to be honest with you, I phoned my mother up during it, and I said, I really don't know if I want to do this. And uh, my mum just said, you know, you just hang on in there. It, it'll work out. So I did. And, uh, and at the time, I was, weren't too sure is what I wanted or what you want to do. You're a young kid. You know, you think you're missing out. But I was glad I stayed on in. And then I joined uh, my senior uh, battalion I was about 17 and they had just finished the tour and I was hearing about like they, they'd lost a few guys and there'd been a lot of injuries and uh, I was starting to understand the realities of my, my position so then you're like hey I want to be I want to be a good soldier if I want to survive I'm going to have to be a good soldier so it kind of put, put you in the right mindset to work you know
0: you know so when you when you made it through the light infantry school British army hmm. And you know, sixteen guys out of eighty-four that started. Obviously, it was tough, and and you hung in there. Did your mom and dad come to your graduation?
1: Yeah, yeah, they did, and uh, and yes, they did, they did, and my grandmother as well
0: came. Yes. How did you feel about that when they?
1: I, I was pretty de- detached from them at that time, though. I, I was yeah. pretty detached from the family. I was like on another path, and I was trying to become a man. I wanted to. I wanted to leave the shadow of my father. That uh, I felt that I was. If I stayed at home, I would have been. Been Brian's son, or my brother's Matthew is Matthew's brother. I wanted to be Simon. I wanted to be my own man. So the only way I was going to do that was to leave home and just go and go and find a journey, an adventure. So were they happy for you? Obviously they yeah, were. They, but, I yeah, think my mum my tells tells me now because my father passed away. My mum mm-hmm. tells me now that that they would hide the tears. They would never they would never cry in front of me and they they realized what, what I was doing and i don't think though they really accepted the extent that i was going to go into combat i don't think they really accepted it they always felt that no i will be doing something else or i mean i think they kind of d- detached that from their mind
0: yeah. so when you uh so your first combat tour was in the countryside in yeah. ireland yeah I was but in... still dangerous though
1: oh uh, yeah we lost we lost some guys and uh you know mainly uh, well uh, the picture i don't know if you have the picture on the bio the bio picture was a 500 pound uh carbon that had gone off and that was quite a story uh, i can remember the evening you know you remember you know you remember yeah, these yeah, things yeah. i was uh, i was on uh, qrf which is a uh, quick quick reaction force and we were we used to wait in a room fully armored up ready to go so if any patrol or anybody got in trouble, we were the first on the scene. And uh, we were waiting. And I remember it was a Thursday night, it was seven o'clock at night because Malk and Mindy had just started the, <laughs> the show. And I really loved that show, it's how long ago it was. And, uh, and all of a sudden the, uh, the, the op- operations officer come bursting in a room, he went, there's a car bomb just about to go off in, in the market square, we, we need to get, get down there. So anyway, sweet so we jumped in the vehicles, flew down there and, they, and the officer, the uh, operations officer said, right, Go and go to every every house and uh, bang on the door and turn. There's there's a, there's a 500 pound car bomb. And anyway, I was banging on doors saying, "Hey, everybody needs to get out!" And there's a 500 pound car bomb. And all people did was just crank their windows open. And each, I mean, this is kind of strange. <laughs> so anyway, and I'm standing on this street corner, and I, I was below like a hill. You could, I couldn't quite see the car, but it was just it was only about 500 yards from me, just over a hill. Honestly. Anyway, and I'm thinking, oh, I'm missing malka Mendy. Well, you know what's what? The, hell's what the not, hell is yeah. this? This is just a hoax. And then, bang! Out, off it went, and it threw me. It just it lifted me off the ground, and there was a there was like a wall just next to me, and it threw me up against that wall, and I, and I landed on the floor, and I was just incapacitated, like with the force that it thrown me against the wall. It just I was winded, and I was laying on the floor, and there was like a buzzing in my ears, and I saw this mushroom cloud go up above me. I mean, it was literally just 500 yards in front and i just saw this big big like mushroom I, like, it looked like a nuclear bomb had gone off because it was so close to me and uh, and in the next second the the block from the engine come bouncing down past me you know i was like to my reality of what was going on and everything was raining down but it kind of it woke me up that that this is the the uh,
0: the, real, the deal. real deal you know did you guys know why, why did you understand the mission and why you were there
1: uh, yeah you know a lot of it was it was between the catholics and the the the, the protestants You know and there there was a lot of a lot of people was talking about a 400 years of oppression and stuff i was an 18 year old kid just just trying to survive the tour so you know and a lot of times we were in support of what the police were trying to do or you know or other operations but at the time you all you're trying to do is just survive and just just get get the hell out of there you know there's many things that that went on but the first tour wasn't so bad i was so young I think it didn't really get 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 to me, you know, and and we didn't we didn't see a lot of combat because the IRA patrols were very good. They were very professional. They really didn't want to take on at us, you know. We were very well armed, so they would they would try and maneuver around it in the night. But uh, I, you know, there was a lot uh, there was a, a lot going on, but it didn't seem to affect me. I seemed to be able to brush it off, and I was okay you know
0: you know when you were laying there on the floor and you know the engine came by and uh, pretty pretty impactful you know obviously that's going to make an impression but can you think of any other time um, or another instance when you were there during that first tour that you were like you know holy cow yeah there was a couple um, there, I mean from what from quickly I remember I came in from
1: patrol one time and we would do a lot of mobile patrols and I'd come flying in because you drive like a maniac to get through you know you're just, just trying to give a presence on the street. And I came in and the, the platoon sergeant, he was there and he was standing in in civilian clothes. And he said, Kirby, go, go and get your civvies on. I said, well, Civvies, you know, I'm on I'm on a combat tour. I, I got one set of civvies, you know, to, to go on R and R. I get four four days off, you know, yeah, yeah. anyway, in in a, in a four to six month tour. So I went and ran and I've got my civvies on and he and then he put us in this old little mini, you know the little cars? Yeah, the Mini that, Cooper the, the mini, mini, mini Cooper. Cooper he yeah. had an 850cc engine. This thing did. It was like a flintstone built, you know. You, <laughs> yeah. You know, you could run faster. And then he he gave me he gave me a Browning nine nine mil pistol. Yeah. He gave me a little submachine gun. I slapped under under the seat, and he gave me some some uh, phosphorus grenades, you know, and smoke grenades. And he said, right. He said we we need to go and check out some some houses, he, and because every morning we would go out and we would do searches, we would do farmhouse searches, trying to trying to find anybody that was harbouring the IRA or any guns or whatever, you know. So anyway, and the platoon sergeant—sorry, uh, uh, the platoon sergeant was next to me. Platoon commander, Lieutenant Homer, was behind me, and we took up. And I felt re- there was three of us going in through all wearing civilian civilian clothing. clothes in yeah, a yeah. civilian car, no backup whatsoever. You know, we were going out, and we were going out to check these some of these addresses because we were going out to these addresses and they didn't exist. So he wanted to see it on the ground right. without a, a presence. It was pretty scary because you're you're on your own, you know, and you're outgunned. I mean, if you meet. Any IRA, they're they're outgunned a nine mil Browning and, and a small submachine gun. So anyway, we're going through and we're going through the country. And it was unbelievable. We were coming down this this valley, this hill, and there was an IRA checkpoint at the bottom of the hill. There was two there was two Opal cadets and they had eight, uh, AK forty sevens. And uh, the platoon commander straight away he said to he said to the sergeant uh, Sergeant Murphy, I don't know was. he said sergeant he said uh, what's what are we going to do. And he said, Kirby, what are we going to do? I said, I ain't stopping. I ain't stopping. I'm just going to drive through it. And I said, if we get taken down, we'll have to come, you know, jump out and, and uh, go into a firefight. But there was no way we were going to win that firefight. There was no way. I mean, we only had pistols and sub- submachine guns. They were way out. And I don't know what happened because we, he went on the radio and he said, you know, there's an IRA checkpoint. They must have been listening into the net because all of a sudden they just jumped in their vehicles and took off. So but,
0: they thought maybe you had more people coming. Oh yeah, right there, they, yeah, they
1: thought that they would, you know, by him calling up and giving the, the location of an IRA, because we do have choppers up there uh, that could come up, yeah. but uh, they would never have got, got there in time. We were, we were heading down and I couldn't turn the vehicle around because I'm in an eight hundred eight fifty 850cc mini. I can't outrun an Opel Cadet. I just, it's a sports car, I just no way. Uh, yeah. I knew my position. I was just in a, in a really pretty bad position. So there was that time, and that kind of got the reality of what we were doing. And then the other time was quite – this was quite a funny one. We, uh, we, I came in again from a mobile patrol, and the same sergeant, he said, uh, he, said he said, you're not finished. I want you to take this, this platoon. There was a, a lot of fighting going on. It was in uh, Kidi on, on the border of Armagh. It's a pretty difficult, quite a big IRA area. He said, we're taking another, another platoon down there to reinforce the troops. He said, uh, we would take a Land Rover and a, and a four-ton vehicle that carried about thirty guys. You're, you're to be in the lead vehicle, and the only guy who had rank that could go on this because we were we were there was a lot, there was a lot going on, was an armourer, and he had never read a map in his life. He just <laughs> he was just fixing guns, you know. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, and in the, the and in the vehicle behind me, there was another two, two, two riflemen driving the truck, and we drove these guys down to Keedy. and we had to go all through the country. It was quite a long way." Anyway, we dropped this platoon off at this, uh, it was like a a fire centre, you know, like it was just on its own. And uh, anyway, and uh, we had to return. So we're returning back and it's just me and this armour in this Land Rover and then these two riflemen in this big truck behind us with British army, you know. And we're right by the southern Irish border. So anyway, and in those days you had an open border almost. It was just paint, paint. Paint stripes across the the streets, you know, across the country roads. So we're driving down, and this guy's reading the map, and I'm like, I don't remember. I just don't remember this country road, you know. We're going down there. You
0: guys took the wrong turn.
1: Yeah, he took. He gave us the wrong turn. So the vehicle behind (laughs) me flashed me, and I stopped and I got out and and uh, I said, What's up? He went, Did you see a border painting marks back there? And and they just tarmacked the road. They tarmacked over the and they hadn't finished painting the lines. And I went, I don't think I did. He went, I'm sure I saw the markings of a of a of a southern Irish border uh paint paint so i went no 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 so we went through and then we went through went for this town i don't remember going for this town and we turned on the major road then we saw the sign and it was like saying it was in southern ireland and we went oh my god we've we've crossed the border we're in a foreign country we can't use our weapons yeah. it's a whole new it's a whole the, rules have changed. the rules have changed you know and with that a southern irish officer come flying up in a car jumped out and went do you know where you are and i I, and I i said he's matt Reed, i just don't know it was castle blandly which is an ira st- stronghold on the on the
0: southern border we were
1: in the hot bed of the ira and he went they they probably know you're here now and they're gathering and they they'll ambush you you know he said turn around go back at the first light don't stop for the light don't stop for nobody take the first right and just keep driving up that country road and don't stop for anybody because they're, they're gonna they're, they're gonna ambush you yeah. you know So we got these old vehicles and we're flying along and we're just going on both sides of the roads, just pushing cars out of the way. And we turned right and we were going down and we could see there was some civilian vehicles starting to follow us. So we knew there was something was going to go down. You know, they were going to ambush us somewhere along the line. And uh, then this guard, this Guardia police officer come flying out of nowhere, out of a side street on a country road. And he pulled across the country road and he said do you realize you're in Southern Ireland? And I was like, yes, we do. And I said, I don't like the look of that, though. And he could see. So he said, he said, I'm just telling you I'm going to report this as an incident, but you've got to get going, and I'm going to, I'm going to cover the road. And he blocked the road for us to stop them from c- c- catching up with us. So anyway, so we talked about
0: a close call. I tell you, it, I was 18
1: experience. years old thinking, man, I'm done. I-, crap, I am yeah. absolutely done, because there's about four or five civilian cars with armed men in it coming out to get us, you know. So anyway, so we have finally get back to our camp, and the whole camp, the whole the whole company is there clapping us as we because it's gone. are laughing off because it's <laughs> gone through all the radio that there's there's a major incident gone gone on through stuff. Breaking incident ended it going on, and all we had done was we just got lost. The guide like not have mis- misread the rap. M- well, the, you know the you moral
0: to that story yeah. is is uh, don't let an armorer read the oh, map. Oh, tear man! Oh uh, yeah, unbelievable. <laughs> <Jeez. you know? laughs> well, I'm glad you're here, but uh, and you guys made it back safe. So. So the, the first tour went off you know with a couple of close calls yeah, like was that. nothing but much. Yeah nothing an 18 year old it was just fun. In Germany fun. Germany was anything nice to Germany? No or?
1: Germany was good. It was just a nice place to live. It was somewhere different and it. And we we actually flew over and I flew over on the, on Hercules a C-130s they flew us over to Fort, Fort Campbell and uh, we did the uh, air, air assault tra- training there because we were going to work with the 82nd Airborne and 101st Airborne and I spent couple of months at Fort Campbell that was a great great tour and uh the funny there's a funny story i got to tell you about we got to hear this yeah the reason why um, I, I came to America so here's the reason why I came to America <laughs> I was I was like 18 18 19 years old and I and I had a week off at the end of the air assault uh, school and there was about four of my other buddies all from East End of London like me it's a very kind of it's kind of like the like Bronx like you guys are like all brothers it's like yeah, the, yeah all, you know, it's like the Bronx same accent you know, there same right accent and we've just done the air assault Carter, so, we're all got skinhead haircuts, you know. We've all been shaved heads, you know. And, uh, and they, said, they said, Where should we go for a week? And I said, we, we, We're going to go to the beach, right? Okay. So, I go down to the Greyhound bus station. You guys
0: came down to Florida?
1: Well, yeah, I'm going to tell, tell you the story. <laughs> so, so, we go to the Greyhound bus station, and, and I said, Walked up to the guy, and I went, Five tickets to the beach, mate. And he's like, Son, do you know where you are? And I, I said, I don't care where I want to go to the beach. So, he, so, anyway, so he gave us five tickets to Clearwater Beach, Florida. And we're in clarksville t- t- tennessee we changed buses at chattanooga jacksonville and uh, orlando and uh, it's not good to see five uh shaved head guys get with t- tattoos you know i've got some my guys are yeah kind of, we weren't we, but they, everybody knew you were military guys though. i guess i don't know we had civilian clothes on it was kind of weird we weren't we were when until they heard the accent they were like what's this five five guys doing they look they look, they look they kind look, of rough so anyway and then as soon as they heard the accent they were like they, they took to us very warmly so anyway so we arrived at uh, clearwater 28 hours later on these <laughs> buses, freaking right?
0: six different buses six, six different
1: buses that we arrived there and then we see the sunshine the white sand the blue sea it's April, spring break.
0: Oh, man. Oh,
1: my God. I get it. I get oh, it. You yeah. get it? You get the week I had? Oh, yeah. Unbelievable. With this accent, I was like cleaning up. It was just unbelievable. I know you uh, never <laughs> claimed sainthood.
0: Just... <laughs> so anyway, no, I so it. at
1: the end of that week of p- partying, I mean, most beautiful women in the world, by the way. And uh, I was absolutely in love. And uh, so I, I remember sitting on my army issues su- suitcase, waiting for the Greyhound bus to go back. And I said to these four guys, we come from a pretty rough neighborhood, as I said, this is where I'm going to live. And these four guys looked at me and went, there's no Cockney, there's no East, East London Cockney as ever going to move to, to this. This is just paradise. I went, no, nope, this you is watch, why, yeah. this is where I'm going to live. And yeah, that was the reason I came here. Yeah, that was the real It's an awesome story, yeah. man. I didn't yeah. know that, but no, I, I, know, I get I, it, man. I get yeah, it. I get it. I, yeah. But I
0: can visualize it. The way you said it, I yeah. mean, I get it. So then you go, you, you leave the States, you got this dream of coming back. We're going to get yeah. to that. But, yeah. you know, we're listening to Mr. Simon Kirby. A British Army combat veteran explaining his story of his service to his country and his first visit to the U.S. And he's getting ready to go back to, to Belfast. Oh, uh, So you went back? You,
1: you oh, went... yeah, yeah, I was. Yeah, I did my second tour. I was, I, in, you know, in between that, I did the NCO carder And that Tell was... Tell us about that. Oh, that was... Uh, well, what they do is they choose the top riflemen that they think should be pr- promoted. And again, there was about 80 of us were, were, were handpicked. And you do about a two month and you're not allowed to walk anywhere. You're woken up at ridiculous hours in the morning. They work you till midnight, two o'clock in the morning, and then you're you are tested every three days on riflemanship. And you're if you fail a test, you're off. You know, if you can't keep up with PT, you're off. And they're dwindling you down, they so like down. So like any little infraction. Any infraction you're, done, you're, on, man. you're off, you know. And you're being tested, and you're doing, you do escape and invasions. You're, you're getting beaten. You, you know, it's it's trying to make. And what they're trying to train you is, it's not just just to be a corporal. They want you to be a sergeant because in battle, you're you're going to be promoted really fast. You know, you're going to lose people, and you need to know what everybody's job is above you. And right. so, so they, it's a, it's also a learning experience. They're teaching you, but you've also got to be able to show that you can pass every rifleman test with A's. You know. So that went on, and that was pretty horrendous, you know. And uh, I think it was eight of us that actually passed it in the end of all. And I was given, I was presented with the b- battalion cane, which which meant every time I did, uh, uh, well, every time there was, so a, you a, said
0: you're the youngest guy in the I whole was, regimental. I, I history.
1: was, I, wasn't, I was, I was nineteen. I, I came top, top, top. Are you still?
0: That's still your award.
1: I've got it that's, home. Yeah. I have it at home. It's a regimental cane, and it gives the year. It gives and the regimental cane. If you were presented it, whenever you did, you do an official. Um, uh, when it, whenever there's a, an official day, you you carry the cane. You, you know that's so pretty cool. What an know, honor, man! Congratulations. Yeah, the people know that you have the cane. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, so and uh, so that set me up. I become uh, an NCO. I was 19 at the time. And then within a year, we were knew we were going to go and do the 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 West Belfast tour. Belfast at that time was pretty.
0: Was, so you went back was, as a sergeant. Uh,
1: I was a corporal. Right. I was a cor- I was a uh, equivalent like to an E4 or something like you guys yeah, got. Yeah. You know. And what that did was meant was I take I'll take a four man patrol and we were four four man patrols went out together at all times. There were 16 men, but they called a brick. So four bricks and you would be not within 200 yards of each brick. But you had to be moving really, really fast. Uh, what our job was to do was we were in the in the I uh, embedded in within the IRA area.
0: What had, what had changed? Did oh,
1: well, uh, it got the violence had gone gone up uh, i was i was sent as i was sent as an advance party all the ncos and we joined uh 48 commando marine commando were there at the time and they, they had had a very hard tour they the first guy that ran out of the could you do hard targeting i was talking about you sprint all over you cannot become a sniper target he took a he took a bullet in the chest virtually on the first the first mm-hmm. patrol went out you know so that that was just uh you know a, uh just a, a, a welcoming committee but anyway um yeah, so you had to be very, very fit for that tour. You would do two hours of going into IRA no-go no, no, no areas, and you were to, to set a presence. That's all you were, just to set a presence. And uh, and it, it, it's a very scary experience, because when I got off, I, w- I was on the advance party. I can remember they they drove us into the city, very armored cars, and we got out of the armoured car, and you could taste the violence. You know, if you ever been in a bar, a bar fight, oh, and you know it's about a to start, up my day, yeah. and, and you can actually taste the there's anger, a ten- there's a ten- tension yeah, about. Ten- it was like that 24 hours a day. It, you could feel the tension of this city. It was about to explode, and you knew. So, uh, so the the commandos, I, I went on patrol with the 48 commando, and we and they showed me where and what the IRA did. They took every street sign down. So, and what you, you do, didn't know where the hell you were. No, at. so for four six months, you have a model in front of you as an NCO. And you have to walk your way through the city, and you have to t- tell everybody where you are. So, and uh, what you do is, you know, when when ha- we get uh, when a contact, it was when, where, what, what, what. It was uh, when it happened, where it happened, what happened, and uh, what 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 do you need, and what, what what do you want us to do about it? And you're drummed in that when, where, what, 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 when, where, what, what, what. And so, sort of when when the shooting started, you you went into this mode. You know, and what you would generally do, wherever the shooting was coming from, you just ran at it because what the snipers would do, they would they would shoot at you. And as soon as they let off a couple of rounds, they threw the rifle behind them. A guy threw it out the back window. It was in the back of a truck and gone. gone yeah. And then the snipers just walk out amongst the people. So what we were trying to do is hit is hit that that house as fast as we could. You know what I mean? But some of the SLRs we did as well, you, could, you don't have to fire into the window. You could fire the brickwork below it and just blast it through, you know, because that would get them. But, but the problem was you're looking in a city with a million mi- windows and you had to make sure that was the right window that that was c- coming out of. You know, you're not allowed to just discharge your, your weapon. There's a lot of rules. So what they wanted us to do was to really sprint straight hard, hard straight at it at, at the snipers, you know. And sometimes you were given uh, uh, pump-action sh- shotguns or riot guns because there will be an, uh, an IED on, on the door. So, and as you're running up, you, you give it a pump. Blast the you door. Blast, yeah. blast the door. to so blast the door through, or you go through the, the, the window. You blast through the window and just die through the windows. So, it was a pretty physical, very, very physical, physical tour. I told and you it. And like it was like
0: that, like every day? Every day, every day.
1: Yeah. I mean, you, I, I never changed my clothes sometimes for weeks on end. I, I just, I, because the troubles were going on all the time, and there was troubles, and you were on the streets all the time. Yeah,
0: so that and that. What was, can you tell us about the ambush?
1: Oh well, that was that was a sad. That was a sad. Um, I, I went out on patrol, when I was we was racing, doing we were doing our hard, hard targeting, and we we're also given, we were given a, a, a facial recognition of about six or seven guys, and each man was told to remember these faces. You know, you, each man was given six or so faces, and I was running through, and I recognised one that was on mine. And I grabbed hold of him. Like I told you, I went into doorways. I couldn't stand in the open and I had to keep moving. And if I wanted to talk to someone, I literally grabbed them and pulled them over me while I was yeah. in the doorway. And I was t- telling this guy, I said, you know, what's your name? What what you doing here? You know, anything else. And he didn't answer me. He just gave me a fictitious name and everything else. But I didn't want to stay there too long because I was right in the f- Falls Road. It's a real bad, bad area. So anyway, so I went off and the police would de- debrief us after every every patrol and uh, and I come up and I said, "Look, I've seen this guy," and I pointed him out. And anyway, he he was a he was a M M60 uh, gunner, and so we knew there was there was an assassin, and an M60 uh, ambush was 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 coming. So anyway, so they said to us, "Right, we're not going to do any mobile patrols. It's got to be foot patrols because they really don't want to take on foot patrols because there's four patro- get, yeah. I mean, there's four patrols. So if they take one on, the other three can get to them, you know. But uh, but uh, Land Rovers, we never really put. Uh, any doors on them because we wanted to get out of them as quick as we could you know so anyway so uh, in my in my platoon there was uh, one of the sections there was an officer or someone an an intelligence officer that needed had to be picked picked up and it was a a Springfield Road uh, police station which is in a really bad area it's Springfield Road it's like just off the falls nasty nasty area and um, anyway they went in all right. They put the intelligence officer in the Land Rovers, and they have you have a guy on a pillbox, you know, outside, like in the entrance. And the electric doors opened up, and as the electric doors opened up, an M60 from about 25 yards just put a burst straight down at him, and it took it killed three of my friends instantly. And uh, you know they and it, it, the poor kid on the on the pillbox was probably an 18 year old kid, and he just froze. He just froze. He didn't open up. You know. But anyway, as many people hit the streets as fast as they could, but that M60 was gone within a nanosecond. It was stripped, gone, uh, off. And uh, Yeah, uh, I lost two friends who were 18 and one was not 19, and they were boys that I trained. You know, it was pretty, pretty, pretty sad. It was sad.
0: Definitely uh, no. sorry to hear that, yeah. and, you know, that's what we talk about, that, you know, we take so much for granted, and, you know, the stories, veterans, that... Um, it's just, you know, there's no wars to, to describe no, and, that. You no, know, know.
1: and you know, you look at boys now, 18-year-old eight, kids, and, uh, you know, when I were my kids, and it's frightening to to, to think, think that, that yeah. I was that age and what, what I was doing, and uh, and it, it changes you. It, it takes an innocence away.
0: It Did really anything does. else happen during that tour? That uh, I
1: had a, quite a few things. I had, uh, you know, I've always been admired. I've always admired in in the, all my Vietnam shows and documentaries these guys that go, go in down those holes, you know, Tunnel the yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had my own experience of it uh, one time, and uh, I was uh, I was on a patrol, a fighting patrol, going through. We were sprinting through this area, and uh, it was uh, Leeson Street, which is pretty famous. My my battalion, my battalion w- went in there when it was a no go area, and I had a big firefight with the IRA many years before. Few years, got many years, couple of years before this. Anyway, we were running through, going through, and it came over the radio that uh, there was a sniper nest in in Leeson Street. And that we we were to go to it, intercept it. Well, again, they must be listening to the net because it came over the radio that they'd thrown their weapons over out the back uh, the back garden, and they were and they they were going to sprint out because you can't shoot anybody that's unarmed. So as we come running up to the house, you know, we're hard targeting because of snipers. You know, and sometimes they'll set up something like this and have an IED wait waiting for us. You know, right? And uh, anyway, so we come sprinting up, and all of a sudden, three guys sprint out of this house. And uh, we, we grabbed them. We ru- ru- rugby tackled them down. You know, we had, we had the, the, yeah, the ties, zip ties the it. zip ties, put them behind, zip tied them, and then had them t- hauled away. And I was the first NCO to hit hit the door. When you're the first NCO on, on scene, no matter what rank you are, you are in charge of the whole scene. So again, it's when, 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 what, 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 what. I went through all my, you know, what happened, where we are. And then I set a cordon up. And then I called up for HQ. Like, we needed uh, it seems a sucker for scenes crime. And I needed also. I wanted uh, the bo- the b- bomb disposal boys in because there's probably an I- IED waiting inside. You know. Anyway, it was about five o'clock at night, and it was in de- December. It was getting dark, and uh, HQ come back and said, "No, you're not. We can't come out till the morning." And I'm like, you know, we I'm in the middle of Leeson Street in the down in the Lower force. I'm in IRA IRA territory. I do not want to hold this position all night this is, that's dangerous, you know, real danger, I said, look, I really, really want these guys in, Let's, I want to get my guys out of here, and they're like, no, we're not, we're not coming, you need, you need to hold that position, set your cordon up, and hold the position, which I was not happy about, but anyway, that's, that's the army, right, you know, <laughs> anyway, yeah. so, yeah, so, a sergeant, You wonder why
0: they're making decisions, I know, yeah,
1: I know, and a sergeant come walking up, my platoon sergeant come walking up, and as he walked up, we hear a noise in the house, and, uh, it was uh Pad- paddy murphy was his name it was an irishman it was an irish inside anyway so he says to me he said you're gonna have to send s- someone in and i said what and he said you're gonna have to send someone you're gonna have to clear that house now these are very small terrace houses terrace houses mean they're joint both sides we yeah. call them two up two down they've got two two rooms downstairs two rooms upstairs and they could have a family of eight in them you know these are tiny little packed rooms, in type, packed in yeah. type you know and i've got I've got a Belgium FN, and I've got a self-loading rifle, which is like a Belgium FN. You know, you know what they are. You know how long they are, heavy oh, yeah. they are. That's a it's heavy. A, it's a heavy ele- it's like elephant a 7.62. gun. It's a seven point six two. It's yeah. a seven point six two. It'll take it'll take your head off, but it ain't a weapon to go into a close contact take So anyway, so he said, you know, you're gonna have to. You're, you're in charge. Send me. Well, I couldn't send a guy in. I, I, I was going in. So anyway, so I put a, I put my best my best guy in the door, and I, I got into lock and load. And i said man once you, you're going to hear my 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 weapon go off it's pitch black now i said you're going to hear my weapon go off but you you know any other weapon goes off where you see the flash you just start pumping you know just l- let him have it so anyway and i i went in there i took all my stuff off just went in my, my with my slr in front of me, which was like ridiculous you know i had to go through and anyway so i went through the downstairs it's pitch black and i pushed open the door you know and i'm going through working through working it through I clear it, it takes me just me about 30 minutes, but I clear it, I come back out again. And there's a stairway going straight upstairs and I know whatever it is he's up there, you know. So now I've got to go up that stairs and now I'm being tunnelled to go upstairs and I put the guy on the bottom and I said, you know, just put your put aim on up the top of that, whatever comes over that, you just take take it out, you know, because I'm very vulnerable. I'm not I've got any, any armor or anything, I'm just going straight upstairs with this SLR. So I started going up and the stairs are creaking. So I'm creaking, I think, so, man, yeah. I'm thinking I'm just like I'm just like I'm toast, you know? It's
0: I'm like going ringing up. the doorbell. Yeah, and almost.
1: I'm and I'm also waiting for a like a grenade to just come over the top, you know, just waiting for one, like, you know, even phosphorus or something, and I'm just toast. Anyway, so I get about halfway up the stairs and it's really getting intense, you know, and I'm and I'm just looking up at it all, just waiting for it. And this little dog comes straight over the top. Oh man. I know, yeah, I could I could've blown the thing away, you know. Like, <laughs> and, and that's a and that was like oh, it's like, oh, you know couldn't believe it what breed was it it was like your dog it's like, like a little jack russell. russell yeah it was like a mutt a little jack russell like with a ball or something and i just you know it was just it diffused the whole situation but that was pretty scary you know going through that one and uh we had we had some you know we had a, a lot a lot of um contacts were going on a lot of times were going on but you know, as I say, it's happened so
0: fast. They're really quick in that in that city. What was the you morale know? like? Did you, and you know, uh, again, did you guys the second time around your second deployment? It was it was just serious, yeah. very very serious.
1: Uh, I never seen. I mean, I'll be honest with you, I, I, you didn't. But uh, you didn't have time to socialize. You really, you very rarely could get a shower, get your clothes off. You know, because you, you were on, you were out, you're on it all the time, and. Uh, it's just one thing after another, uh, really. There was just incidences going on in a city. You're in a city, you know. I was, uh, I was. Uh, it was just, it was just. I, I could really, my mind's starting to open up to some of them now. I remember I was in charge of a, an Oscar point. They had, um, you had, everybody would go through these Oscar points. They were checkpoints to go into the city, and we were watching for anybody that went through the city, and uh, I would be there with a four-man patrol, you know fully you know fully armed going going a, a pillbox you know just pointed out lots and loads ready for, ready for anything to go on and uh and then we came home we thought oh there's nothing that happened and then we were told by the police that intelligence told that that uh, I, that I was to be assassinated that day they were going to assassinate the NCO in charge and that a gun was was drawn but he he didn't do it in the end for some one reason or another he 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 cowered out of it. Wow. But, you know, I was told after the fact that oh, they were going to do a hit, hit on me that, that day. So you were doing things like, things were happening all the time. So you really didn't want to socialise. You just wanted to get your, get get in, get, get some food down you, try to get some sleep, clean your weapon, get ready for the next one to go out. Because it wasn't a day job. This was 24 7. You were just going at it the whole time, you know. And one of the worst things we have to go in, they built a block of flats. They're called uh, Divvy's Flats and the flats is apartment buildings and there were long buildings that had these stairwells going up, concrete stairwells, and you had to race to get into them because they would throw like washing machines and things off the top as you're running, going underneath. You'd be barraged by 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 debris, you know, as you're going yeah, in. Yeah. And they And we even had, a, we put a sniper station on top of one of these to try to control it because as soon as we went in to, the, to those apartment buildings, they would set a fire at the bottom of the stairwells to try to make us to go to certain stairwells
0: so they could am-
1: ambush us, you know. So you're, all the time you're on your wits all the all the time.
0: How it, long was that second the operation? Opera,
1: uh, I think it was it was a four month tour that one. I think it was it was a four or six, six month tour. I think it's four, and um, it was pretty pretty harrowing, you know. I must admit. And what uh, one, one of the funny stories was uh, I, my time was up in the army within like a week of finishing the tour or so. And, uh, and my papers come through and, uh, I'd asked, I'd asked my officer, I said, look, do you want me to just finish the tour? Cause I've got a week left and I really don't want to leave the guys. But all my guys were saying like, you know, it's a bad omen. If you're meant to get the hell out of there, then you need the, to, you get, need up, to yeah. get the hell out of there because they were worried something was going to happen to me if I stayed, you know, because it's just, you're going against the odds, you know? So anyway, so I said to goodbye to the guys and that was pretty teary to say goodbye. And I didn't really didn't want to go. I didn't want to leave them, you know, cause we'd done so much together. And they were just kids. You know, they were young kids. And, uh, and uh, somehow they come up with this armoured vehicle. And it was called a pig. And it was this big armoured like, Humber vehicle with a big, the big wheels on it, the big armoured wheels on it and everything, you know. It's about a six, six-wheeler. Well, these things had were built originally to be like a ton weight. And the brakes were only built to carry a ton. But they slapped so much armour on these things. So they were like, they, like two tons. They were like two to three tons, yeah. yeah. So anyway, these things didn't stop. And I, I had two young... Poor kids, two young engineers that that come to pick me up, and they weren't they weren't combat troops. They had been given the job to come down into West Belfast, which you just do not—it's a no-go area, you know—and to pick me up and take me off to to the to to the uh, to be fly out to fly me home to the airport. So anyway, they were frightened. I could tell they were frightened. They were like shaking, you know. And uh, and I said, like you know, calm down, guys, calm down. You know, it's going to be fine. Just going to get out of it. So anyway, so they 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 fly out of this. They fly out of this. Uh, fire station we were at it was all wriggly ting you know and uh, they're flying down the road and these two kids are frightened out of their lives right so we come to a, a, a roundabout we come to a roundabout a big grass roundabout with a, a lamp post in the middle he goes to make the turn in, and he can't make the turn because he's going so fast he tries to hit the brakes he can't hit the brakes he skids across the road goes up into the roundabout and hits the lamp post and Devastates the lamppost, knocks it flying, you know. And we're sitting in the middle of a in the middle of a roundabout in West Belfast in an armored car.
0: Three British, three British guys, uh, army guys, army
1: guys, and like you know, and two of them have got weapons. And I, I think they gave me a pistol, and that was about it. <laughs> I'm like, guys, you really need to calm down now, you know. So they reversed up and just like took up. But that was just the sheer fear. You could you could taste the the, the violence in that city at that time. You know, yeah. that's the kind of what what we what we had had to deal with on a, on a d- daily basis, you know.
0: So then you went back to England. You got out. You were married shortly uh, well, thereafter.
1: Well, I got to tell you, uh, I got to tell you, coming after that tour was not an easy. Yeah, was not easy. Uh, in those days, they didn't have fe- uh, fe- therapy, and I think this is a, a strong part of the story that people got to know. You know, coming after that tour, they, they they would give me. They gave me six weeks' pay, and said, you, "We don't want you to go to work. We don't want you to do anything. We just don't don't want you to do nothing for six for six weeks, just to get just, just to get yourself back." Because you're going from a combat zone into into a civilian zone,
0: but there was really like no training or anything or classes or nothing, anything like nothing. that.
1: Nothing. I literally came off the streets of Belfast, and just put and you within a day, streets in England. within a day, I was on the streets. I was in the streets of London, and I tell you, it was the most frightening experience of my life. I had a fear. I couldn't be in, in an open space. I couldn't walk down a street. I had to run. I had to keep in a, a doorway. Um, I didn't sleep. I couldn't be touched when I when I slept. You know, my my fiance would be my wife. We if we we slept in the same bed, she would never go anywhere. If I was asleep, I wasn't allowed to be touched. She she would touch a toe while she would stand back because I would be out that bed like a gazelle. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, it was just like, and I, I was I was indifferent to everything. Uh, she she thought I was just indifferent to her or something. I was just indifferent to everything. I looked terrible. I was I didn't realize I was just like white as a sheet. I lost a lot of weight. I had dark, darkened eyes, you know, but I just had fear. I just had fear of o- open spaces. No, it's a lot different you know,
0: in, yeah. in, in, in Great in London in England because do you, yeah. do you guys have like a VA a I've Veterans been, no, Administration? No, no, nothing. I had nothing. So they like put you guys out there on the street,
1: and and really, really, it was alcohol. Uh, uh, that it
0: helped you get through the pain. That that's the, what the, that's, that's the, what the fear. S-
1: that's what the army at the time. and That's why uh, drinking was so prevalent. I mean, drugs is not within my culture. It was alcohol, and I literally went to a bar every day and just got drunk. That was all I had to try to try and sleep off, and that's what I did. That's how I dealt with it.
0: Did you ever talk to any of your mates? Yeah, when I, when they, you guys yeah, might have been yeah, we so did.
1: We would, do, well, I would go to the, to like once a year, and also some of my friends, they're lifelong friends, you know that uh, that I would see, and we would, you know, when you when you meet somebody like that, it, it all pours out because you try and you just bury it. You, just, you yeah. just, that's all a man knows what to do or I knew what to do. I just buried it and buried it until it's so far buried. I could, I could exist, you know, and, uh, and it once in a while it come out, it would come out, you know, it would, but, uh, yeah, I still carry it to this day. So
0: um, when did you, you know, somebody told me one time, Simon, that, you know, especially with post-traumatic stress mm-hmm. and you know that you've tasted it and you've had it. Yeah,
1: I have depression. It's been depression. Yeah.
0: And, you know, they say, you know, it doesn't really get any better when it when it comes it just it it, it changes yeah. it feels different it just feels it's different. just different yeah. yeah it's just
1: different and you can't you can't try it. You, you think you have the strength mentally to just go beyond this you and you're questioning yourself why do i feel this way I'm a, i've done everything I've, there's nothing i can't achieve and yet it just drags you drags you back into it, it it's something you can't control it just i, I couldn't control it Anyway,
0: but you got back on track. I mean, you, you, yeah, you know, yeah. your fiance. Yeah. You, no, be... I, I mean, I was a lucky guy. I yeah. mean,
1: I walked away from it. I, and I think, I think there's also you have a bit of guilt because some of my friends didn't. Who were very, very close to me. Yeah, you know, uh, that didn't. And I, not everybody died, but there were other injuries. There was like lifelong injuries. You know, and uh, and some of my friends stayed in there and did more to us. And I just was, I, I was, uh, I just couldn't see me doing it, being married and have children. I just.
0: Well, I'd what's unbelievable that. about that, you know, your story in particular, uh, you know, going in the British Army at 16 years old, that's tough, you know, that, that I, you're, you're uh, yeah, just a young guy. I, and,
1: I, yeah, I, I will, will say when I did leave, um, we, you know, we talked about this earlier, I will, did with leave, I felt that all I wanted to do was get married, have children and just live a very, very stagnant life. I, my adventure in was over, like almost like I'd gone too far over. But, so you were trying yeah, to come back i was trying yeah. to come back to to, to be in me and it, it and i did for some while i really you know I did, and i the, i curbed the drinking king i curbed my lifestyle i got married you know we we settled down i started working in the restaurants and just very, it was very quiet I quiet my life right down
0: you know? and then your uh your vision that you had yeah well I'm, I'm, that's right
1: yeah. well i know well you, you never you never lose the adventure right so i was when i got uh, when i was uh, got married I was 22 when I was married. I brought my wife to Florida for the for the honeymoon. And, awesome! Uh, I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, it? yeah. I brought to uh, Clearwater. I brought it to Clearwater, <laughs> and uh, I took her to Clearwater, and I rented this big V8 car, V8 engine car, which we didn't just couldn't afford and stuff. And we we uh, did a motel on Clearwater Beach, and I turned around to her and said, "One day, this is where we're going to live. Would, would, would you do that?" And you did, live what did she say? Me? She said, "Yes, I would." And I was awesome. surprised. I was surprised because you know she's would be leaving her parents and leaving her family and everything else. But no, she, she loved it as well. You know, the American people were just so lovely towards us, you know, and we just felt akin to them. It was, it was so, so wonderful, and it was just an adventure. So, yeah, so then we had two children. We had a, a, a daughter and a son, and, uh, and uh, when my daughter was, was born, I went up to the American embassy, and uh, she was six months in my arms, and I went to the American embassy, and I said, I want to move to America. I want to move to America. And they said, son, do you have, are you a brain surgeon? Are you a rock star? No. Nope. Do you have a million dollars? No. And they went, "Well, son, you're going to the back of the queue, and it's about twenty years long." And I went, "Really?" And he said, "Yes." Yeah. So I said, "I'm not having that." You know that no one tells me no. You know? So <laughs> we yes, we do know that. Yeah, you know that. So I went away and I, I did a lot of research on it, and I, I met an attorney, and I was able to go through with a business visa. My my family had restaurants, and then I set up. A way that I could open up a branch of our restaurants in America, and uh, I sold everything. Sold everything I had. I burnt every bridge, and uh, and then uh, so t-
0: there's no way you're not going back. You're not done. going back. You're just I don't, you know me.
1: Away. I do yeah. no going back. I'm I'm one step forward. And uh, 30 years old with a five year old and a three year old, and and my wife. We we moved we moved to Florida, and it was extremely difficult. And I think you know the army training, the tenacity that I was not going to let go, and. Uh, we had about 3 years where we we went broke we we tried and tried and tried to, to fit in and work and we knew we it would work if we just held on and held on and in the third year it you know my old, my, my restaurant i old. remember you know the yeah. first
0: time i met you simon um, was in the restaurant a really, yeah. really 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 nice place in sarasota florida tiny but it was tiny sort, yeah, but, yeah, but 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 right yeah. Yeah. But the food was excellent. That's the first time. And then you were actually a customer in my store. That's right. Which was a yeah. backpacking store. And, yeah,
1: yeah. Because and, uh, you never lose the adventure.
0: No, we we yeah. actually, you know, now that Simon mentions this, we actually did a mountain climbing trip we together. Did. We did. Where did we go, Mexico? Mexico. Yeah.
1: Mexico. P- Pico de Orizaba. Yeah, you and
0: yeah. I, we were like like yeah. 19,000 feet. and yeah. It was kind of funny because... We were just making jokes the whole yeah, time. You yeah. know, British Army, I'm yeah. in the American Army. Yeah.
1: I, I even bought a, brought a bigger Union Jack than the American <laughs> flag. I remember, <laughs>
0: man. The, you remember that summit shot? Yeah. Like somewhere floating around. I oh, know, I've got it, I've got it. I 100%. got a little miniature yeah, of American flag.
1: Who is this guy? And I bring you this great know. big English flag
0: out <laughs> at the summit, and I'm like, "Who is this guy? We can't breathe. We can't yeah. even tar- uh. talk to each other." And Simon yeah. unfurls this the biggest Union Jack that that mountain's
1: probably ever seen. Yeah, that was. I was awesome, going to leave my mark. I was the only English guy going to be. That was there. cool though. Yeah. But
0: yeah, but that was a, that was an interesting trip. No, but you know, to get back to it. But you know, your restaurant. Yeah. did really well i mean it became one of the nicest places on that area yeah. of our town siesta so yeah. key yeah i was there for about eight years and then yeah. you moved into simon's coffee house well, we, we, which is a phenomenal restaurant by yeah, the way thank you, can, you. Yeah, yeah
1: thank you simon's coffee house and that's a funny story as well how that came about but um i i really we were in been in florida eight years and my children were growing up and we'd never really in we never really assimilated into society because we were in a tourist area so my wife and i said right we're going to we're going to move to a little neighborhood and open a little restaurant, neighborhood restaurant, and then not, not work Sundays because we're working seven days a week and everything else and try to just assimilate into society there, you know? And so that's what we did. And that was funny because I, I sold the restaurant. And uh, if you remember, I said that we would open a branch of what uh, my English company was. Well, that was the coffee house. And the guy wrote a check to the coffee house. He had to write, because I had a corporate name. So now I had a cheque of this large sum of money for a coffee house and no bank account to pay it into. Uh-huh. So I went down to the bank and I went, I'll open a bank account called Simon's Coffee House. And and, and, and I made the deposit. Made, the deposit, made yeah. the deposit. And that's where the name came from. That's the only reason I got that name was, was from that, you know. So, uh, yeah, we opened up a little deli and uh, and I'd been to India. I'd traveled to India. I'd back- backpacked through India for a while. And I was really into uh, uh, Ay- Ayurvedic, really into... Uh, med- meditating and uh, eastern 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 influences within my life. You know, you knew that. And, uh, and uh, Ayurveda is a way of using the earth, the plant. You're you're part of this of this earth, and every plant can represent a part of your body. Like uh, like if you have a, a chest problem, which is a respiratory, that will become a leaf of a plant. will we'll fix that respiratory problem. If you have uh, an organ. That's playing up. You'll find a root, will, will, of different plants, will 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 heal that, and blood will be sapped. So I started to see a relation between the whole of this earth. That we are not here to govern it. We are here to be part of this and embrace that that partness of it, that that wholeness of it. And uh, so I owned up this restaurant, and uh, I tried to take those Ayurvedic beliefs. And what? And you've done a marvelous job. Oh, you yeah, know, yeah. Everybody. Your menu is yeah, incredible. Yeah, we we serve people. Who have I mean, uh, dietary needs because I took yeah. that, that was those beliefs and said you know that I can take food which is plants and I can use this food to help people you know to get through so and in the end a lot of uh, pr- practitioners I mean I've got um, I've got a, a lot of uh, heart patients and and uh, cancer patients that come to me that have to be vegan.
0: Well, you, you make know? you know the highest quality ingredients. Yeah. You make stuff fresh every day, and what's phenomenal about your restaurant, probably the only one on the west coast of Florida. But you make some of the finest fresh juices, fresh squeezed juices out of all kinds of plants yeah, and vegetables. That's it, because, it's you know, phenomenal.
1: because I think people aren't getting i are not getting the nutrients in their foods and they're not having the diversity of, of their diet. They're eating the same foods and they really need to look outside. They say you should eat eat the rainbow, not just green, eat the yellow, you know, eat the, the beet roots. You've got to eat everything. And uh, as you know, I've I've been vegetarian now. Twenty odd years. I'm, I'm vegan at the moment now, and I really do believe it. You know.
0: Well, you know, I got to tell you, Simon. We're gonna. I got a couple questions to ask mm-hmm. you here, but you know, you truly are a living testimony of uh, doing things right, Thank doing you. things on the edge, doing things with with great dignity. Uh, the time that I've known you uh, has always been a real treat. You know, you're a very special person. You know, what do you want? There's a couple questions. What do you want? The civilian world to know about combat veterans because you know, every time we read an article or something, it's like you know, the civilians think that all combat veterans are just nuts and ready to go off. What do you want them to know? You
1: know, that they, they are real people, that they are so young as well. I mean, some of these are 18 years old and they need to look at their own children, 18, 19 year old children. They're no different, they are the same person, but you know, it's the training that gets you through this. You're still that same person, but I mean, I do You're taught to react and those those sensors we talked about before, those reactory sensors, your adrenaline are are blowing hard when you're on these tours. But you are just regular, regular kids, regular people that that go home to families, you know, and uh, and it takes time to come down because you're on such an adrenaline overload, you know, your body. And I think I, I mean, I actually think America does a lot to help the veterans, a lot more than most countries what do, England does. That England does. But I still think that, that there's still more to be done. I, I think re- it's I getting think so. better though. Oh yeah absolutely, yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean they you know I mean you know the British Army was when I was brought up, you know, was uh, oh just get over it. You know and that's oh, a stip it? The up step up the lip. upper lip, up yeah. lip. Yeah. you know son I mean I remember you know I you know, go to my mum, Mum, I don't feel well going to school. I'll just take an aspirin and just get off to school. Get over it, you know? Yeah. And that was because that was what you was expected and the problem was is growing up you you try to live up to that expectation. Yeah. And it, it it can be damaging because all you do is just bury it. You you need to get this stuff out. And, you know, we talked about that, about meditation, you know, and stuff. that really Centering yourself centering yourself, balance. Balancing, get, getting this that stuff out as well. And you need to
0: tell somebody,
1: you know, you really Well, that's got,
0: good advice. That leads into the second question. Yeah, you yeah. know, if there's a young lady, a young yeah. woman out there, a young guy, mm-hmm. and he's making the transition from yeah. the military... Mm-hmm what did and and let's just say they're in a dark place because we go there yeah what what advice can you give them you know just hang on because it it will pass this will
1: pass and i've been there and you just there's no control over it and you just don't you feel you're just out of control and it's never going to get out of that out of that that cycle but that cycle will pass and and ask ask for help you know you can go and ask for help and you need it um, I, I've been there, I, I've been there, and it was very dark, really, really dark, but the light will come, and, you know, look at me, I, I, I never thought I would be where I am today, you know, I really, unbelievable, my my life, and, you know, I'm some, just
0: waiting for the book, man, you got to write the oh, book, no, you know, and you know, I'm British still, Invasion, you know, no, I'm, I'm still, I'm still doing those adventures, <laughs> I'm, I'm still
1: going off and sailing, and yeah, doing you're adventures. sailing, climbing, so, surfing, I, mean, yeah. doing, I do, I, I do, I do, I do like an adventure, I do like, I do have a bit of an adrenaline, uh, junky part of me, but, and I still, I still believe it'll ne- never finish me. But, you know, those negative experiences have created, I'm, I'm a product of my past. And I don't regret anything I've ever done because I think it's made me who it is today. And I, I love who I am today. Yeah, they were hard times and, they, and they, there's a lot of regret of losing friends and everything else. But I have to say that I'm that product of that past and it made me stronger. And I think I, I'm, I'm happy with who I am. Very happy with who I am.
0: Definitely a good insight and some good advice. Um, what is what does freedom mean to you?
1: Freedom, freedom is in the mind. You know, I think you've really got to be. You you have to love yourself before you can love anybody else. You know, and you've got to find yourself. I think you've got to free your own mind, and then you won't get caught up with with. You know, they say they say sometimes a parrot in a cage is a parrot can be cruel, but some parrots actually like to be in the cage. They feel safety within the cage, and others like to fly you just got to find out who you are and be happy with who you are. And I think you will find freedom through that. It's
0: definitely a good way of looking at it, you know, and it's true. Some people might want to stay in the cage and some people might want to fly. And I know you, you're definitely, you're you're like the biggest parrot in the cage and you just want to be out be there. Out.
1: I want to travel the path less trodden.
0: Yeah. Where do you <laughs> see yourself in five years?
1: I don't know. Well, you know, I went sailing for three months. I sailed up to the Bahamas on my own. I did a uh, in an antique sailboat and... I kind of like that was freedom, but you know you're not. People think I mean, them and think that they're probably sitting back and thinking me oh, always in a sunset with a sun down on his in his hand and it's all beautiful weather. Far from it. The you're, if you're in an antique sailboat, you are mothering an engine that's about to break down any moment <laughs> that, that leaks oil. You know you've got to find fuel. You've got to find water. You've got to find food. You've got to find a place to anchor. You've got to check the weather. You're 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 in with nature. And where that weather wants to take you, you're going. And you, have, you do not have power. So you actually have to give yourself to it. You have to give yourself to the experience. And I'm not saying it was an, an experience that I had wonders all the time. I had one, one problem after the other. But once they passed, it was, almost like, it was almost like as if that had opened me up even more to it. That I could allow myself to, to, to be free, to be free with, with the whole environment.
0: Well, you know, you've got two great kids, yeah, and uh, they're really yeah. doing well.
1: Yeah,
0: guess, how, how do you want them to remember you?
1: I, you know, I'm pretty close to my children, and they do see me, and uh, they probably haven't heard a lot of the stories, and they know, but they've been around me and a lot of my friends who have been a, who know me from my pastors. Yourself, you know, they're yeah. they're very, they you know, they you know, they know you, and they you they know what I've done through you. I'm pretty proud. I'm pretty proud of my kids and i think they really do understand who i am i mean i'm really happy to do this as well because i've got grandchildren i've got a seven-year-old and a three-year-old grand grandchildren It's awesome yeah who i love i absolutely adore them and i i hope that one day that that they'll they'll listen to this you know
0: well, i'm sure they will they're, def- they're going to have it in less than a week <laughs> uh, oh, wow. but uh so yeah. so how do you want to be remembered what kind of legacy would you like simon kirby to to be remembered for you
1: know i i think of all the things I've done, the proud, I delivered both my kids, you know, when I was there, I delivered them. And I cried at both those deliveries and they were the most best achievements I ever had. And then I've kind of cried with both my grandchildren as well. So, you know, I feel I'm very fortunate to be to a walk this earth and to have done what I've done. I am so, so fortunate. So to be remembered, hey, i am just I'm just be a speck of dust one day. You know, I'll be remembered within the family that, that that knew me, and, and I, I accept that. I accept it, you know?
0: Do you, have a, um, do you have a personal quote that you've done yourself or one that you live by?
1: Uh, destiny is found on the road to avoiding it. It means whatever you're meant to do, you're gonna be doing it, and no matter how hard you try to run away from it, it's gonna find you, and that's what you're gonna do. You know, I joined the army because one of the reasons was I never wanted to be in the restaurant bit uh, business. And guess what? I've been in the restaurant business all my life. Isn't that how it works? That's you know? how it works. So yeah. every time I try and run away from something, so now and as a more mature man, I accept who I am, where I am and where I'm going and and accept it and, and enjoy the journey. You know, don't don't try and try to anticipate where you're gonna be. You're gonna be there anyway. It's and that's why I go sailing, because I'm not getting anywhere fast. So I've got to enjoy the journey to get to that that to that end of that to where I want to go. So, hey, just enjoy every second. Enjoy the present because every present moment is becoming a past, a past second. So why not fulfill every moment?
0: That's great. You know, you've definitely given given us, and listeners, myself, a lot of things to think about. And, you know, I know the conversations that we've had in the past, we always talk about it. Simon and I, we're always kidding each other. But, but it's always trying to find ways to be more conscious, and yeah, you know. And thank you for um, spending time with us on Straight Outta Combat Radio. You know, I'd like to have you come back. But is is there any final thing that you'd like to let people know?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I, I there's a lot of people that like talk about the millennials that they, you know, they like to be. Uh, it, it's people are changing. Society is changing. Where they they want to know how good they are, and they want everybody to pat them on the back. You know. I got to tell you, everybody, everybody who's noticed me is because I've been an embodiment of my beliefs, of what they are. And you try to live those beliefs every day and just understand that people are watching and they are understanding. And then all of a sudden they also want, want to believe, you know, they, they also want to self-help themselves. So i will just tell people, you know, you don't need someone to pat you on the back. You just go go on in your own path and be an embodiment of what you believe and you would do fine. You know,
0: it did me fine. Well, thank you for that. And uh, I know I'll be seeing you again, Simon. I appreciate you being here with us on today's episode and or tonight's episode. We made we had yeah. we made a dinner party of it yeah. tonight. Thank and you. uh yeah. it's good to see Simon. I hadn't seen him for a while, and uh, I'm just glad that he took the time to come here and tell his story and uh, and I appreciate you listening out there. Thank you, Simon.
1: Thank you very
0: much. Pleasure. You gotta light them up Before they burn it down. Thank you for listening to another episode of Straight Outta Combat Radio, Audio Medicine from Green Zone Hero. If you liked what you heard, then tell others about us. Like us and download us. And please remember, freedom is not free and combat veterans are vital assets. They're not broken.